0: Welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen.
1: Hello builders. We would like to welcome you to the Build Your Success Podcast today. This is a podcast where we build you so you can build others. We also like to help you build your business. Hey, build your family, just work on being a better person and a better leader. We also do that through our special guest. I'm grateful today to have Jeff Nishowitz with us today. He is known as the facilitator of truth. He's also a snow globe shaker. We're going to have to figure that one out. And the leader of shift. Jeff is a man on a mission, a mission to help people shift how they lead, As an international leadership and transformation coach, he's known for his unique perspectives and challenging traditional thinking. Jeff's the author of four books, including his most recent, Just One Step, Walking Backward to the Present on the Camino Trail. Jeff is the founder of Nishowitz Group, a coaching, training, and speaking business, and a co-founder of Cardervia, a leadership development ecosystem to help leaders grow themselves. Jeff, welcome to the podcast today, man.
2: Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here.
1: And you're also a fellow podcast host, so uh, tell us about your podcast first. Let's get that out of the way.
2: Yeah, uh, the podcast just launched March of 2020. It's called the Impact Leadership Podcast, and it is all things leadership. You know, we've had guests already. Uh, We have certainly things on organizational leadership, personal growth and leadership. We've had some guests talk about sales and marketing, Uh, We also have people talk about sort of those organizational issues about building culture, uh, you know, going through the process of establishing your values. Uh, We talked before we got on, Brian, it's been so much fun because I realized, I should have known, I love sitting around talking about life and leadership. So basically, I'm just doing that and recording it. (laughs) And we've met people literally all over the world. It's really been an amazing experience.
1: Yeah, it sure is. I didn't realize when I began that I really began this journey on podcast hosting to try to, again, help people build so many people are tearing people down that I decided I want to build people up. And I'm actually a construction guy. So that just kind of leads into that whole building thing. But uh, definitely, I've, I've so enjoyed this journey of being a podcast host and getting to meet great people. You got to tell us, man, what is a snow globe shaker? I mean, I, I guess you're just shaking <laughs> snow globes, man. It's just a creative Well, thing.
2: it is. It's funny. I actually just, uh, I moved to Florida. I'm in Tampa now about a year ago. So I've go been going through the process of getting new plates and license and everything. And I, I just got a custom plate. It says snow globe on it. So what happened, Brian, is about three years ago, I was on a stage speaking. And this idea popped in my head. And I've learned that when ideas pop in, share them. And it was about snow globes, but I had never—I don't even think I owned a snow globe at the time. I now have probably about eighty, because I buy a snow globe everywhere I visit that's a new place. But what struck me was that about snow globes—snow globes are beautiful, right? They're all beautiful. You've never seen really an ugly snow globe, except those ones that are not round and they make squares and things. But they're all intended to be beautiful. But the magic of a snow globe is shaking it. That's why snow globes exist. They exist to be shaken, but most snow globes are never shaken because they're good enough as they are. And so the metaphor around leadership and life is that, number one, we have to be willing to shake things up starting with ourselves. We need to encourage our team members to shake themselves up. We don't shake their snow globes, which is what leaders too often do, which creates chaos and stress. We encourage and empower and support them in shaking their own. But the key is when we shake things up, we also have to actually shift and change things because otherwise, you know, you shake the snow globe and as soon as you stop, and this is what I love about it. I I go to an audience and say, what happens when you stop shaking? And they all yell, well, it starts to settle. I said, exactly. And that's what we do. We shake things up, but we don't change anything. And boom, immediately it settles and it looks good enough. It's pretty. And it sits on the desk, whether it's our communication, it's our leadership, it's our culture, it's good enough. And then we let it sit there until it's time to shake things up again. So it's about personal shaking, uh, team shaking, but actually changing things in that shaking.
1: Jeff, I love that thought. And and as you were speaking about that, I had one of those thoughts. It just just came to me, so I'm going to share it at your suggestion you know, you you talked about shifting and and that is so important in leadership is, is leader shifting. And if, if we make the change, we let's, let's use the car as the example, we rev the gas, we dump the clutch and we stay in the same gear. We're just going to be making a mess. So I just, I love shaking that, that using the snow globe. Also your idea that let the, the employees or let the team members shake themselves. Talk to us about that a minute. I think that's, that's gold nuggets right there.
2: Yeah, and I uh, thank you for picking that out because that was not in the original concept three years ago. It's evolved as I keep speaking about it and really embracing this, I call it snow globe thinking, that so often people, like most people don't like change. I mean, that's the reality. 80%, I'd say 90% don't like change, but actually they all want things to change. They don't like change happening to them. That's what they struggle with. So we want to invite them into the change. And so, you know, so often leaders are shaking their people. Because I'll stand up there and I'll shake my snow globe in an audience. And I'll say, how many of you are stressed? And a lot of them say, well, I'm pretty stressed right now because of the shaking. I said, well, the reason is because someone else is shaking the snow globe. And leaders are too often trying to create change by shaking the snow globe. So it's two things. It's the leader modeling their own shaking and then creating, and this is key, creating a safe environment for their people to shake. Because when we shake things, things can get messy. When we shake things, not everything works out. When we shake things, some things fail. But a lot of leaders, you know, we encourage change, but we got, you got to be perfect in it. So it's about modeling the change and the shifting, but also letting your people know, hey, I want you to shake things up for yourself, and we're gonna create an environment to support you in doing that so you can grow. Because you know, to grow you have to be uncomfortable, but not terrified. So it's about empowerment, it's about modeling, and it's about creating a safe environment for people to shake things up for themselves.
1: Jeff, I love this. And I love this analogy about giving them the freedom and the ability to shake themselves. It reminds me, and my listeners have heard me tell this story before, but we get some new listeners and you're new to me. So I'll tell you, you know, sometimes when I shake my own snow globe and I bought into the transformation, I bought into the change as a leader, it's natural to walk out and say, okay, we're fixing to change. And They haven't had the time to process. They haven't had the time to shake themselves. They haven't had the time to do what you've done. You know, you had this, even if it's an internal conversation to buy into something, you've had that conversation, you've had that time to think about it. And now you want your team to just jump on board, couple together with you and go and trust you when they haven't even had time to process your change.
2: Yeah, I I love that, Brian. It's funny. You know, a lot of time, pre-COVID, I would be speaking at conferences, and so people are away, right? They're away from the office. And I would tell them, I said, let me just tell you what's going on back at work. Believe it or not, I can read your team's minds from here. And there's two emotions going on. One is they're grateful that you're away. They're thinking, oh, my God, thank God they're out of here. We can actually get something done. And they all laugh. And I'll say, here's the other thing they're thinking is, they really don't want you to come back, not because they don't like you, but because they know you're going to come back with 137 new ideas, and you're going to run in the, run in the office. You're not going to explain anything. You're basically going to like race, do a dash through the office, and throw these ideas on people's desks. They're not looking forward to that. And I say, please don't do that. To your point, you've got to go back. You've got to get them engaged in it. You've got to let them in on the secret that you had all this time to think about it let them in, let them in, let them in.
1: Yeah. I think about what you were just saying, how uh, they, the the leaders are in the room and the workers are back trying to get things done early in my career in construction. A lot of times, the supervisor wears a white hat, you know, the white hat guy. And I like to work night shift because we could get so much more done without the number of white hats coming and interrupting and coming up with new ideas and, just it was like if there's less white hats there's more work gets done so too many like that old adage too many chiefs not enough Indians so that, that that's really true never heard it put that way about the being in a, in a room and 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 uh, their, their workers are thinking thinking they're there that I, I could see that I could relate
2: to that well I'll tell you I want to comment on something you just said Brian because you know we have all these sayings you said too many chiefs not enough Indians and and my belief is a little bit different because I've said this the last few months, it's possible to have too many managers, but it's not possible to have too many leaders because I believe that leadership is not a position. It's people who are willing to step up and take risk and try things out and ask questions and step into the void or to ask that really tough question like, hey folks, we're going this direction, but this feels out of alignment with what you said our values are. So that I believe deeply in the power, empowering everyone to lead. And when someone says, I'm not a leader, I say, you need to think again. You may not be leading yet, but you're already a leader. And I, that's, you know, if I look at one of my two or three core philosophies, that's it. And I'm really, because what's happened, Brian, I don't know if you see this is, I have so many people that come to me and say, what if the problem is my boss? And there's so many people waiting for the positional leaders to change. And I work with positional leaders, but I thought, well, what if everybody was empowered to be part of the change and they stopped waiting for someone above them to be the change? What if everybody saw the opportunities that they could have to make a difference? And that's really become the mission that I think will probably define the, the rest of my career.
0: We hope you're enjoying today's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Build Consulting Services. Are you ready to reduce workplace conflict, reduce employee turnover, and increase your productivity? If you're ready to put Brian to work for your company, give him a call at 863-800-9658 or email him at brianb at buildcs.net. Now, back to today's episode.
1: Yeah, that that leads into one of the things that you have here on your application. And for the listeners, I want to remind you, if you ever want to be a guest on the show, just go to our website, www.buildcs.net, fill out our guest application, and we'll definitely consider you as a guest. But you uh, put, I always have a choice. And I think that's so important in life to realize we have a choice.
2: That one. And it's funny how that came up, Brian. Uh, I'm known for my questions. I'm I'm pretty good at questions. And, you know, when I'm speaking, I don't ask a lot of questions because that creates real uncomfortableness. But when I'm coaching, I ask questions. And at my birthday party about 10 years ago, I was sitting around at lunch. This is my kind of friends. And they said, well, hey, Jeff, you're the question guy. Ask us a question you've never asked anybody before. Now, I actually thought that was fun. I didn't think it was challenging. I said, okay, and and I did. And what I said to them, I said, I want you to imagine that I have the ability to take everything from you, all your belief systems, all your philosophies. I, I'm going to take them all from you. You only get to keep one. And I said, because I know where a lot of you will go, I'm going to take away also your belief in a higher power because I know a lot of you will choose that one. And I want to go beyond that. So... I said, so what's the, the one thing you would hold on to? And it was really fascinating, the people's answers. And I went last and they said, what's yours, Jeff? And I said, I always have a choice because that encompasses everything. If I look at every scenario, when I understand I always have a choice, I have virtually no stress, I don't feel stuck, I feel empowered at every moment and you know, all those other things come around it, and and I absolutely, you know, I do have a a deep faith in my life, and it's not to discount that, but it's to say, what's that thing that gets me through every day, and it's that belief that no matter what's going on, I have a choice, so I never feel stuck, and I always feel empowered, and and this is the cool part, I always feel like that's where I have control, because I have choices to make, and we, you know, we all love control. I think COVID has one of the impacts of COVID is so many people had what their perception of control ripped from them. But the truth is they didn't control anything before except themselves. And now it's just been exposed. And that's why I say, well, let's empower everyone by saying you have a choice no matter what's going on. And it's not new wisdom. It's not. I mean, it's been around for generations and generations for thousands of years. I think I actually found a quote once that was, um, from one, like the one AD, Uh, I forget who it was. One of the great philosophers said, you always have a choice, but apparently we haven't been listening. So I'm just yelling louder now.
1: Well, we know there's nothing new under the sun. So (laughs) that's that's true. Hey, one of the other things you said here was vulnerability is the secret sauce in leadership. I know it's so true. We hear it over and over that people like vulnerable leaders, they like to recognize, "Hey, this is a real human being, just like I am." There so, it is.
2: So, so, so tell us about that. You just hit the nail on the head with that last phrase. This person is a human being just like me, and I will tell you something. What's really frustrating for me, Brian, is I have no doubt that that is the key, and I'm not the only one. If you go out and talk to thought leaders. Uh, people who are running organizations with amazing cultures, with great team engagement, all the things people want, 100% of them, not 99, 100% of them will say it's about vulnerability and leadership. And yet, that is the biggest gap in leadership, because I think it terrifies leaders. Because uh, there's so much research out there that says, you know, one of the biggest challenges for leaders is fear but they don't want to even admit they have fear. So if you don't admit the fear, then the fear just won. And one of the biggest fears is making a mistake, not feeling strong. And then they also misconstrue vulnerability. They think it's about emotions, and it can be, but it's really about, like I look at what are acts of vulnerability. Vulnerability is asking for help. Vulnerability is saying, I don't have all the answers. Vulnerability is saying, what do you think? Vulnerability, like you said, coming back with an idea and instead of saying "Here it is, go do it," sitting down and saying, "Hey, let me share my ideas with you. Let's let's put this together." Even though I already have the idea, that's vulnerability. And what's been amazing on our podcast is so many leaders have talked about. And one in well, two in particular, I'm going to touch on really quickly. One of our first guests was a guy named Larry English. The company is called Centric Consulting. They're they're a a business strategy, technology strategy strategy company. They've never had an office, ever. They have a thousand people. They have an incredible culture. I know people that work there, it's incredible. And I asked their founder, Larry English, what was the secret? I said, Larry, you know, people say there is no secret. He said, I believe there are secrets. He said, there are, Jeff. He said, there are two secrets. Uh, One is model, leaders have to model vulnerability. And we invite our people to bring their personal lives to work. We don't allow it. We invite it. It's, it's required. And the second was a guy we just actually, we're going to publish him tomorrow, uh, September 20, uh, whatever the 24th is. His name is uh, Walt Rakowicz, who became CEO of a, a publicly traded company called Prologis in 2008 in the midst of that downturn. And the company had gone from $70 a share to $2 a share. They were on the brink of bankruptcy. They had been this high-flying S&P 500. He becomes CEO at $2 a share. And if you ask him, his, his book is actually coming out next week called Transfluence, about transformational influence. And he said the key to that turnaround was vulnerability and transparency. And he said, the key moment was when we were facing a crisis within the crisis that was, it was the death knell if we couldn't figure it out. And the short version, as he said, I sat in the room of my entire team and I looked at them and he said, I was terrified. I was terrified. And I, but I said to them, I don't have any idea what to do. He said, and that moment brought our team together in a way that I never could have imagined. He said, I didn't know I was going to say that but I trusted the team enough. So, you know, it's a long story, a long version to come back to vulnerability is so vital. And I think it is the gap that is the, that's the answer, but there's so much fear around and under misunderstanding of what it looks like because people are starving for it. They're starving for humanness and leadership, starving. You know, Jeff, that is so true.
1: And and you talked about the leader having a fear of making a mistake. 100%. That, that's a fear for leaders. The other fear that, that, and again, it's back to being human beings, we have a fear of our employees making mistakes. And yet there's so much opportunity and lessons learned in failure and mistakes that sometimes you have, even if you could intervene, sometimes you have to back off and let them learn that mistake on their own.
2: Well, that's one of those many cases, I'm sure you see it, Brian, where leaders talk a good game, but they don't walk it. Because typically, you will find leaders, if you ask them, they'll say, yeah, I learned the most in my career when I failed. I learned the most when I make mistakes. But they don't allow that in their team. And I do this little survey when I work with teams. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I lucked into this. I'll, I won't claim genius, I'll claim luck. But I have these two questions. And I didn't realize this would happen, but one of the questions says, are you encouraged to try new things and experiment? And almost every team scores very high on that. But then there's another question that says, do you feel safe here to make mistakes? And they always score low. And then the owners look at this and say, well, Jeff, these are inconsistent. I said, no, they're not, read them again. And then they usually get it and say, "Oh, so we tell them to try new things, but what they basically try new things as long as you know they'll work." So that's exactly what you created here. They don't even know they did it. So that's you know that's another example of a blind spot, and I think blind spots are so vital for leaders to get a handle on because we all have them, and that's an example of a blind spot. They didn't know they were creating that culture. They didn't wake up and you know. I just told you offline about my buddy, Tommy Spaulding. And when he was on our podcast, he said, you know, he said, leaders don't wake up and say, I'm going to be a jerk today. They really think that he said, his comment was 95% of leaders think they're a servant leader, but only about 10% really are. They all, they've got a good game in their head, but it's not showing up because there's things in the way there's those fears that they're unwilling to acknowledge So it's not bad intent, but it's really horrible execution of the ideas they know they have. So true, Jeff.
1: And and I want to reinforce something you said for those listening that, you know, we both you and I are coach trainers and speakers and and love to help organizations. But as a leader of an organization, my day job, my my nine to five, not my five to nine, my nine to five, (laughs) sometimes I can't see the forest for the trees sometimes i'm so engaged with the activities of work and producing and that someone like you can come in and and show me my blind spots that outside perspective and you know you probably had the same thing when i speak to companies sometimes about training their people we have our internal training and that's great i'm glad they do i'm glad they invest in that but too often their internal training is is making the same mistakes over and over again so tell me how you help organizations find their blind spots.
2: Uh, well, the, the simplest answer, Brian, is just like you. I have an outside perspective. You know, you talked about forests and trees, and sometimes that actually, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase bark face. Ah, yeah, I have it. But that's fa- a good one. My face is is pressed up against the bark that I can't even, I didn't even know there was a tree. Um, but so part of it is just the outside perspective. The other part is using questions and and also, frankly, being willing as an outsider to take the risk that internal people often won't take. I mean, here's the reality. No one can know all their blind spots. I mean, when someone says to me, I know all my blind spots, I said, no, 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 now I got a problem. Because, you know, you may know the old blind spot. But then as soon as you get that, you know, I always look at the driving analogy, right? Because that's where I learned blind spots, most of us driving. And I don't want to be in your blind spot. And I don't, you know, I don't want someone in my blind spot. So I'll move my car and I'm an accelerator. So I'm going to accelerate out of the blind spot. But as soon as I do that, I create a new blind spot. And so it's the ability to have the outside perspective, but also take the risks because there's very few organizations have built enough trust that your people will tell you the truth about you. And and we love them to do it, but that's a rare, rare situation. I'd love to see it be the norm. It's not. And as an outsider, you know, I'm being brought in. I'm being paid to tell you what I see. And to me, also, I know and you know as coaches, there's a skill, there's an art to finding the blind spots. Because it's not just, hey, I was here for a day. I found all your blind spots. No, there's, there's, there's a dance to this, and there's nuances that maybe even your people won't see. And then the, the other key is, and this is the real, I think, the real value of a coach, Brian. Your team can help you find the blind spots. Your team will never help you understand the source of the blind spots. Because what I believe is that our blind spots are based upon things that are going on inside of me, and that is work that a lot of outsiders can't do because they don't have the skills for it. And you might be able to figure it out on your own, but the coach's questions can help you. I call it pulling the thread. We pull the thread and say, well, man, I you know, I didn't intend to create that impact, but you do, and you do it regularly. But what might drive that? Because if, so I'm going to change, well, but a lot of times it's hard to change if we don't understand what was the driver to the behavior in the first place.
1: So true, man, that's great stuff. Jeff, you, you talked about finding blind spots. I'm a John Maxwell coach, trainer, and speaker. And one of the tools we have is something called the leadership game. And uh, it, it plays like a board game. It's really fun. But I tell uh, businesses that, you know, if, if you ask your employees some questions, they feel like you're probing. And if you hire me to come in and ask questions specifically, sometimes I'm probing when, when we play this game, they start having fun and answer some of the, some of the questions you asked are, are, are in there. It is, is, do they allow us to try new things? We get the yes, just like you do. But then are, you know, is there punishment in place? If we don't, <laughs> if these things don't succeed and it might not be punishment, but just, you know, the, the feeling that, you know what, if I try something, do it, it doesn't work. Then it, that's not good. Instead of keep trying. I mean, be, be like Einstein. Be like these inventors. The first thing didn't work doesn't mean you're, you're a failure.
2: It means you found some things that don't work. Yeah, was that? I think that was was that Edison that had. Yeah, the Edison about, said
1: ten thousand times. That's right. <laughs> I, I haven't failed ten thousand times.
2: I've found ten thousand things that wouldn't work. Which now, now I can go find the next the yeah, thing that exactly. does. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Brilliant minds. Well, Jeff, it's
1: great to have you on the podcast today. Tell us about your books and then how our our listeners can get in contact with you.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, Brian. Uh, Yeah, I've got four books. The first one, I'll I'll go through them real quick. The first one is called Think Again, Innovative Approaches for the Business of Law. I'm a recovering lawyer. So that's a book I wrote a number of years ago for lawyers and law firms and how to run their law firms like a business. Then I have a book called Unmask, Letting Go of Who You're Supposed to Be. To Unleash Your True Leader. Turns out that's a very deep book. I didn't know it because it was just my story, but the people who have read it said, man, that thing really is about ripping yourself open. Uh, And then I did kind of a workbook kind of concept called Arrows of Truth, Simple Shifts for Personal Transformation, which are about shifting how we see everything. And my last book is called Just One Step, Walking Backwards to the Present on the Camino Trail, which is the life and leadership lessons I learned when I walked the Camino de Santiago in Spain a couple years ago—that I tell people you don't have to go do the walk. I encourage it, but the lessons are there about just how to live and lead differently with little or no stress, living in the present, uh, embracing the moment. It's just—it's kind of a, a life, a way to live life book. And best way to reach me. Uh, I'm blessed with an unusual last name, N-I-S-C-H-W-I-T-Z. Not not a whole lot of other Jeff Nischwitzes. I think there might be one I found in the world. But if you Google Jeff Nishwitz, you'll find me. Connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find my website, uh, www.nischwitzgroup.com. And then also Cardivera, cardiver acom uh, that's my new venture. It just launched. And that's really about what I said earlier, Brian, empowering leaders to lead without position or permission. And that's, um Vera is a word we made up that means true heart. So it's about the true heart of leadership. And uh, again, empowering people to lead wherever they are in their life. And I'd love to hear from you. I love I'd love to hear your questions, your comments. I love conversations about life and leadership. And I'm grateful to be here, Brian. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Again, so great to have you. I'm glad I didn't mutilate your name because I didn't do, like I (laughs) normally do, I didn't
2: pronounce it before the podcast. So I'm glad I got that Oh, you did it well. I was impressed.
1: So for our listeners, all of that will be in our show notes. You didn't have to write that down. Just go to the show notes and you'll be able to read that. Also in the show notes, I'm going to put live to lead That's L-I-V-E, the number two, L-E-A-D, Lakeland, L-A-K-E-L-A-N-D.com. And if you'll go there, you'll get to find out about an event I'm hosting here in Lakeland, Florida. It's a simulcast event that John Maxwell puts out. If you sign up for this, we also offer it virtually. So we have both options available there. But if you sign up for this, you're going to get to hear from John Maxwell, Steve Harvey, Kat Cole, Alan Mullaly, and Craig Groeschel. It's going to be a wonderful event. I hope you can join us for that. Again, that's live to lead lakeland.com Go visit that. It'll be in the show notes as well. Do us a favor. Go over to where you're listening to this podcast. Give us an honest rating, an honest review. We want to hear from you. Whether it's good or bad, we want to hear from you. Also, you can email me at brianb at buildcs.net. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you.